This podcast is brought to you by the UCL Institute of Orthopaedics and Musculoskeletal Science. What are the key things that need researching in trauma at the moment? What do you think that an up-and-coming registrar should be maybe aware of? There is no doubt that there will be things that can accelerate healing. And accelerating healing has got to be an area, in, in the broadest terms, and the orthobiotics and, and things, that, things that accelerate healing will be an area of research. But that's, a lot of that's going to be lab-based and a lot of that's going to be your three years out doing your PhD. I think we need to understand a lot more about osteoporosis and implant fixation and osteoporosis and what we can do. Most implants historically, and even nowadays, are designed with normal bone in mind. Um, and I think the biomechanics and the biology associated with um, fixing very poor quality bone is fascinating, and I think we don't understand a lot of that. And it's very easy to get those concepts wrong. Um, fixed angle devices, lock screws, really have come in, I think, with only a limited understanding of what they can do and where they start to go wrong. So I think that would be an element. But it's the older person in general. Enormous opportunities. I mean, you know, the, the older person and surgery and the older person. I've always been a sort of holistic surgeon, and I think it's really dangerous for us to reach a point where we just become the technicians and that we hand over responsibility for all the other aspects. I mean, you just look at how poor orthopaedic surgeons were at addressing the issues of osteoporosis and yet an enormous chunk of their practice. But we had those patients coming up to clinics and just sent them away with their third osteoporotic fracture. We had wards full of hip fracture patients that usually left without a bone health assessment or a falls assessment. I mean, what were we doing? You know, we we were abdicating our responsibilities there. And I think, yes, my big drive to get all the geriatricians in for the hip fracture policy, that has been unbelievably successful. Um, And I believe that's... That's what's made the difference. I don't think it's, it's probably been as important to get patients to surgery quickly, although that, I'm sure, has some involvement. But the idea of orthogeriatricians being involved in the perioptive care, in the assessment of fluid balance, and then in the falls and bone health assessments, I mean, we've now had eight successive quarters across the whole of NHS England where every single quality parameter has improved even those that aren't in the best practice. Do you, do you see these, um, I mean, these sort of standards for hip fracture management, do you think that in some respects uh, these sort of protocols and these standards drive massive changes, but do you see them being applied to any other fractures or any other injuries? Yeah, undoubtedly it, it will happen, and I think for all that people may like or dislike all the changes going on in the NHS, there is no doubt there will be and we start at the beginning about frustrated consultants, there is a much greater opportunity for clinicians to leave the service. Mm. Um, And the idea that targets have all now gone, and we will be looking at suites of commissioning tools that prompt the whole of the care pathway for a patient. So the osteoporosis, we now have the GPs being paid to keep registers of their patients who need bone health assessments in the quaff. We then have the best practice tariff driving all the elements of the care pathway all the way through the system, and we have a whole commissioning suite of tools. Now, they have to be designed by clinicians. Mm. And when we put the hip fracture one together, the reason it's worked is because it wasn't come up with by some civil servant. Mm. What we did is we sat nurses, physiotherapists, geriatricians, orthopedic surgeons, anaesthetists down in the same room and said, right, what do we believe are the key steps in the pathway that will really change outcomes? 
and make a more efficient service, because value for money is important in this. And then, by what do you wish your hospital to be judged? Mm. And you put the patients in there with them as well, and the public, which is what we did. It wasn't that difficult to do that, and that's where those criteria came from. And okay, you people argue about the edges and how you define them, but you can make adjustments for that. And I think if that's the real opportunity clinicians have in the future, to be able to do that, and that will happen more and more. But we have to be prepared to go in and do it, not go along with the wish list. We have to go along and say, right, how do we change the system, use what we've got? At the end of the day, there is no more money. There is no more money, and there's going to be arguably less money. And it looks like, for the hip fracture, best practice tariff, overall, will have spent less money for just so much better care. And we've seen a, a reduction, a 15% reduction in the 30-day mortality. We didn't even put that on the radar because we didn't really think, you know, that wasn't something I was aiming to try and achieve. But that just shows you patients who died in the first 30 days, well, they were really sick and they were probably going to die anyway. And, you know, this was just mm. the event that did it. Well, quite clearly that wasn't true. You know, mm. this, was, this was some evidence of unsafe care, I think. I mean, I'm glad you touched on the fracture prevention and, <clears throat> and obviously the ageing population. This is a sort of another facet to you, really, sort of with regards to how you've changed or how we've changed our yes, management we... of these patients. <clears throat> it's, it's an interesting pr uh, point, but, you know, sort of from the research point of view, I think that's something that's also got massive bounds. Yeah, yeah. and, and, and I think the other the thing there is that's where the population profile is going. And it won't just be hip fractures. I mean, the other advantage for the orthogeriatricians award is they don't walk past the distal femur or the distal radius or the distal tibia, do they? You know, the orthogeriatricians are orthogeriatricians, so they're going to pick up all those patients. We've been very careful to make sure that we don't create too great an incentive on the hip fracture patients as it starts to impact on other patients' care and you start to get distorted practice. And that's a judgment we have to make. This podcast is brought to you by the UCL Institute of Orthopaedics and Musculoskeletal Science.